sister, and uh, I've always loved number 21. And so here we are, happy birthday, Coastline. And, uh, you know, as I look back over the years, I'm glad I can share with you that God has worked in my life through Coastline Baptist Church, and it's been great to be able to observe God working in the lives of, of others. And I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 when he said, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And uh, really, when we celebrate a church anniversary, we're celebrating the gift of God. We think of his gift of salvation. Of course, it all begins there with the work of Jesus on the cross. But salvation also involves this process of sanctification. That's the process where God works in our lives to make us to look more like him in the way we behave. And then it's because of the gift of God that we're able to serve. And so all that we see and, and will testify about in relationship to a church anniversary is because of the goodness of God. It's been his work in us, by us, and through us, and all of it is for him. Now, most of you know that over the last several weeks, we've been involved in a study we've called Mission Critical, and it's a study where we have focused on the purpose statement of our church. Uh, I hope if you've been here for these weeks, you now know and have committed to memory in your heart the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. Our purpose is to inspire people to develop a heart for God. That would mean for those that aren't saved, that's where it starts, and for those that know the Lord, that we would grow in the Lord, so we we long to inspire people to develop a heart for God. We then want to include them in a loving church family. And together we want to make an impact in our region and beyond for the glory of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, we have sought over the years to pursue the purpose of Jesus. Our goal has never been growth. I've learned that any church that worships at the altar of growth will have a hard time holding on to truths that our world finds difficult. So our goal has never been about growth. Our goal has always been about honoring Jesus and helping more people come to know Jesus. And we've left growth into the hands of God. And so I want to thank our church family for loving God and loving people. It would have made sense to conclude this teaching series last week. We have three parts to our church's purpose statement. And we are three weeks into this study. This is the fourth week. And you can wonder what <coughs> is it that's been left unsaid as it relates to our purpose statement. But I want you to know there really is more to it. It's one thing to know that our church has a purpose. It's another thing to have sought to live it out over the years that we've been together. But I want you to know it's another thing altogether to continue to do that which God has given us to do. To fulfill the purpose for which we've been created by God. And the reality is that churches are nothing more than just a collection of people. And so what could be said of people is true also of churches. And the sad fact is there are many people and there are many churches that have faded when it comes to faithfulness. I know it sounds strange, but churches like people have the capacity to lose their way and have the capacity to forget why they were created in the first place. By the way, aren't you glad that we can come back when we get off track? And so in our study last week, we learned from a passage in 1 Thessalonians, where we are today, in chapter 1, how to be a church that makes an impact. And today in chapter 2, I want us to see how it is that we can continue for the Lord. So we want to inspire, we want to include, we want to impact, and if that's to be done, we're going to close this teaching series out with the reality that we must continue for the Lord We'll think of that. It's been said that when memories of the past supersede hopes for the future, 
When that happens, people and churches begin to die. And so today, we want to thank God for all that he's done. We thank God for our history or our heritage, if you would. But at the same time, we need to come to a place where we'll say, God, as grateful as we are for the past, we believe you have a future for us as individuals, for us collectively as a church family. And today would be a great day to recommit to living a life that continues for Jesus. And so we're going to look this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. If you're glad you came to church, say amen. amen. If you're glad about my new jersey, say amen. amen. Some of you, you didn't know. Back in the day, I was the man. All CIF. Just want you to know that. USC scouted me for basketball. When they looked me over, however, they offered no scholarship. They concluded I was not worthy of their uh, basketball team, but... Uh, Back in the day, I was pretty awesome, and uh, it's been all downhill since then. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. Again, I'll step back. Thessalonians is a book written to a church in a place called Thessalonica, and Paul here is talking to this church about the time he came, and, and he says, Brothers, you, you remember when we came to you? You remember how it was when things got started? And uh, he goes on in verse uh, 2 to say, But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. I love that statement. God allows us be put in trust with the gospel and the bible says even so we speak not as pleasing men but god which trieth our hearts for neither at any time used we flattering words as you know nor a cloak of covetousness god is witness god knows too in other words he's saying there verse six he says nor of men sought we glory neither of you nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. I want you to take note once again of that statement in verse 4 where the apostle Paul wrote there, aloud of God. Aloud <coughs> of God. Our Father, thank you for this morning. And uh, God, as we not only complete this teaching series that we've been in, but as we embark on another year of ministry, I, I pray that this message and a few glimpses back in the course of delivering this message would help us to continue for you, to be faithful to you and for you. And uh, we need you today. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 21 years ago this morning, Lisa and I pulled up to a community center in Carlsbad, the Harding Community Center. We had a few simple things that we were going to use to set up for our our first service there. Uh, the community center we rented had been used the night before for a party. We walked in, it wasn't smelling all that good, and so we decided we needed to do a little cleaning inside and, and out, and so we did that. I remember spraying Lysol all around, and it was much needed in that room that morning. 
uh, we had some nursery equipment we'd purchased, and our nursery was actually an office there in the community center. The, the man that uh, had worked with us on being able to rent the community center, his name was John, and he said, well, you can use my office. So we pushed his, his desk out into the hallway, and we set up a little bit of nursery equipment that uh, we had purchased for that service. So I made my way into the room that we would use for an auditorium. I, I did my best to set up, and I straightened the chairs. And at that time, we didn't have screens for the songs. We had some old red songbooks, and I put a songbook on every other, every other chair. Uh, we had some sandwich board-type signs that we'd made that had the name of our church and so forth, and I was really glad the way they turned out. And I remember we set those around, and, and uh, Mike, I think that became your job a after a while. Mike became the sign guy, and, and yet on that day, I was able to go out and set up these uh, signs to let people know there was a church there. And that morning, I remember I had the joy of welcoming guests, of leading the singing, and boy, was it good back then, you know? I'm kidding, people. It was horrible, all right? But I did my best. I welcomed guests. I led the singing. I made the announcements. I did my best to preach a sermon. On that first Sunday, we had 38 local people that came. And the best part is that in the course of getting to know those guests, two who were guests with us on that first Sunday came to trust Jesus as their Savior the following week as I made some time with them. I can assure you there was nothing impressive about what happened on that day. But I'm also here to tell you what took place on that day was very, very special and meaningful. I look back on that day with gratitude in my heart. And I'm thankful that God began a work that would in time touch the lives of, of other people. And, and I don't think in this regard, what I've shared with you, that I'm much different than the Apostle Paul. Because as he begins this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's doing with them what I just did with you. He was going back to the beginning and walking down memory lane a bit. And, and he's talking about how this great church in Thessalonica uh, had the privilege of being started by the grace of God and certainly through the work of the Apostle Paul and his ministry team. Following Paul's first missionary journey with a friend by the name of Barnabas, he, he decided, you know, I want to go out and check on the churches that have already been started. He took another friend with him on the second trip, a man by the name of Silas, and they traveled and they would check on. The Bible says they would strengthen the churches and, and strengthen the new believers. And, and yet there was something in Paul that always wanted to see more done for God. Paul was not the kind of guy that said, you know, we've done pretty good here. Let's just kind of protect what we have and make sure we don't do too much to stir things up. Let's just play it safe with this little thing we've got here. No, there was something in the heart of Paul that said, we need to reach more for Jesus. There's more to do. We're here for the glory of God and the good of others. And, and there were at least two times we read of in Scripture as Paul's on this second missionary trip where he thinks, you know, I think we should go over there and we should preach the gospel there and seek to start a church there. And two times that we know of God said no Paul that's not what I want you to do not there not right now and yet in time as God led Paul he led him finally to a city called Philippi he made his way into Philippi and 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 there there was a church that was started and it was amazing how God began to work in Philippi and a great church there in fact there's a book in the New Testament called the book of Philippians that was the letter that Paul wrote back to this church that was started in Philippi but in Philippi Paul encountered after a time some incredible persecution and God led Paul from Philippi to Thessalonica, and as we saw last week, what happened in Thessalonica was incredible. You talk about making an impact as a church. Paul said of this church, last week we read in, in verse 8 of chapter 1, Paul said, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. 
This was a remarkable church. Paul testified, whenever we go anywhere near the region where your church is and we start talking about Jesus, everybody's already heard of him. You've done such a thorough job, such a compassionate job. Your love for Jesus and love for others is evident. And we saw that an impact was made last week in chapter 1. Yet I believe that this exemplary church will reveal to us in the second chapter how they kept going. A lot of things start well and flame out. We find some ingredients in the verses we read together that lets us know how this church continued on for the Lord. In fact, later in chapter 2, in, in verse 13, the Apostle Paul said this of the church in Thessalonica. He said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know what Paul was saying there? He was saying, you guys got it. You got it. You didn't just become Christians who were spectators in a gathering that we would call a church. He said, you're not just spectator Christians. You're serving Christians. You took it in. You made it your own. You ingested it. You've, you've done it in that sense. We know they went on to serve God. And so what is it that we must learn if we hope to continue for Jesus Christ as individuals and as a group of individuals in this place we call a church? Some incredibly powerful principles that we find in this passage today. The first one I'll share with you is this. Fulfillment is found in living by faith. This church continued. Why? They knew some things. They knew, first of all, that a fulfilling life is a life that is lived by faith. And so let's go back to verse 1 in our text. And it's here that we read this. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. It wasn't in vain. Now, now, there's no doubt that when Paul looked back, as he looked back on the work that was done, he could say from this perspective, yep, it's not vain. Look what's happened over time. Look at the souls that have been saved, the lives that have been touched, the region that is saturated with the gospel message. Yep, it's not in vain, but that's not really the heart we find in these opening words. What we find is the reality that Paul said, when we came to you, it wasn't empty. It wasn't fruitless. It wasn't vain. He, he was testifying that when he came, there was no welcoming party. There was no ready-made church. There was nobody there to accept him. He went in faith, and he said, I want you to know that when we went there in faith, it wasn't a waste. It wasn't vain. It was profoundly fulfilling. Paul said it another way to a church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the lord and friends paul was teaching that the way to abound in god's work and to keep moving forward is to have faith that it's never worthless to do that which god would call us to do obedience is its own reward our church was started and as it's grown over the years, I've had to learn that the real joy in the Christian life is not found in doing for Jesus Christ. It's found in resting in Jesus Christ. It's relying on Him. Jesus in John 15 said this, He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. 
Listen, let me tell you, if, if life apart from Jesus teaches us anything, it's how empty it is, it's how futile it is, it's, it's going through the motions, it's trying to bide our time until time takes over and ultimately it wins, but through faith, there's a fulfillment. And when Jesus said we need to rest in him, abide in him, and that fruit will come, he's teaching us that fulfillment is not found in fruitfulness. But fruitfulness is found in a life of faithfulness. Jesus says, rest in me and see what it is that I can do through your life. And that will be profoundly fulfilling to you. I love the way the Christian life is working. See, when this truth is forgotten, we're going to diminish to people that become so calculating that we do what we do based on what we expect from it. Rather than doing what we do for the one who's called us to the doing his work begins and continues in people and churches that find their fulfillment in a living and breathing, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. How are we going to continue as individuals? How will we continue as a church? It all begins with this basic understanding. Fulfillment is found in living by faith. Here's the second principle this church came to embrace. Productivity is preceded by a price. Everybody wants something for free today. And uh, yet this church, they continued because they understood something. Productivity is preceded by a price. And Paul here drops some truth on us that we may prefer to ignore, but it's a fact that applies to each of us. In verse 2, he said it this way. He said, but even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Paul uses words here like suffering and, and, and shamefully entreated and, and contention. Much contention in the course of doing the single most compassionate act one human being can do for another. Sharing the gospel. Paul said, let me tell you my experience as we were serving God. There was a price that had to be paid. And friends, listen. You're going to find that in the course of truly living a life that honors the Lord, a life of faith, there will be times when you'll be treated like a servant. Which is exactly what God has called us to be. And you will know if you're really a servant by how you respond to being treated like a servant. Paul testified, he said, listen, I went through some things. I went through some things. You see, serving God does not mean that we opt out of all the difficulties in life. And I know that's a popular message that's proclaimed in many places today. The problem with it is it's just not true. It's not biblical. The reality is in, in the life of, of a Christian, there are going to be times where a price will be paid. It will be required. Paul said to Timothy, the young pastor, he said, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a guarantee that if you give your life over to serving God, that you'll have to endure some tough times and you will be required to pay a price in that sense. Now, listen, I remember when we came to this area, everybody said, boy, it's a young pastor over there. I haven't heard that for a long time now. Miss those days. Young pastor. Uh, not young. So I have the perspective now of some time where I can look back. A and I know what, what God has done here. And I'm grateful for it. May I humbly say today, I'm also uniquely aware to know what all went into that which got done. I know that. I, I know what was required to start 
to start a church. In our family's case, it required all the money we had, all the savings we had. We've been saving up to buy a home. All that went in. We had two cars. We sold one of them. It, it required uh, all of it. At the time, we were living in Tennessee. I'd finished my Bible college training. I was serving on a church staff, and we were moving from Tennessee back to this area. We didn't even make it out of the state of Tennessee before our rental trucks started having problems. We literally broke down on the bridge, leaving Tennessee, going over the Mississippi River from Tennessee into Arkansas. You would think God would have paved the road all the way to California. We're seeking to do something good. Therefore, it's going to be a piece of cake. Didn't work out that way. Moving truck broke down, that was a bummer. Then a trailer that we had that was towing our, our car had a blowout damaging our car. We were stuck on the side of the road in Arizona on a very hot day with two small children. At times we got lonely, we got tired, we wondered, are we ever going to make it? And I've got to tell you now that as I look back and see what God has done, knowing also what went into that which got done, I, I want to tell you today, I am so grateful that we were able to pay a price so that something productive could come from it all and I'm not just telling my story today coastline is a church filled with people that have similar stories people who've given and people who've served and people who've prayed people who've literally altered their lives so that others could come to know Jesus and what's interesting to me is sometimes we live in a in a time where people want to shop for a church that has it all together have all the property they ever need the buildings they ever need the ministries already in place so that we can come in and don't have to do any heavy lifting so to speak I'm grateful for a group of people over the years that have come here saying we believe in the message of Christ and they roll up their sleeves and say what is it that we can do what kind of price if you would could we pay so that something productive can come from it we need to never forget that fulfillment is found in a life of faith and that productivity is preceded by a price. As many of you know, our church is in the process of doing our best to make space so we can reach more people. And uh, man, it's a process and I'm grateful for it. And one of the great blessings that I've experienced in the course of this process was a conversation I had following early on meetings we call focus meetings where we sought to get input and and share with our church family what it is we know and there's a wonderful lady in our church I had the joy of leading her and her husband to Christ and uh, after the meeting she came up to me and she said pastor this is great and she said I want you to know I love when you tell stories when the church was started and she said uh, I love hearing what it is that went into it all the price that was paid and she said I'm thankful now that I get to be a part of the group that's going to pay the price for those coming behind us. And I thought, that's the heart. That's the heartbeat of a person, of a church, that continues to go forward. It's not a what's in it for me kind of a thing. It's, man, my heart's in this thing. How can I serve? How can I help? What needs to be done? You see, churches that move forward, they never stop starting. They never stop starting. There's always more to do. There's always another step to take. And so we must remain willing to pay the price that progress requires by giving our lives to Jesus every day. Every day. Here's the third principle I'll share with you this morning. Influence is established by integrity. Influence is established by integrity. Now, you may impress someone if you don't have integrity, but if you really hope to make a lasting impact and truly influence someone, integrity is essential. In verse 3, Paul said it this way. He said, for our exhortation was not of deceit, 
nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Paul was saying there, among other things, he was saying, listen, you guys came to understand that our motive was pure, our heart was pure, we uh, came in honesty. And Paul said that because many religious leaders in his day, and it's the same for our day, were frauds and crooks and in it for money, and, and uh, uh, they had all the wrong motives. And Paul said, listen, uh, I know the, uh, the notorious reputation that many religious leaders have today, but he said, you guys know that I never did that. In verse 5, he said this, neither at any time used we flattering words as you know. He said, you guys know this. Our, our motive was clear. In other words, he said, I want you to know that I was honest and open and pure from a selfish motive. Now, everyone in this room today would understand that as a pastor, I would lose all credibility and an opportunity to be an influence for Jesus if I had a selfish ulterior motive and, and was in ministry for my own personal benefit. And we would all agree with that because we understand that integrity is the cornerstone of leadership. And there is a reason in the Bible there are qualifications given for pastors. But I'd like to add today this. Any Christian who ignores this principle loses the opportunity to live a life of influence. Any Christian can lose influence with our spouse, with our children, lose influence at work, lose influence in the course of our, of our lives. If our integrity is not what it should be, if we hope to keep pressing forward, we must be con committed to a life that matches our message. Paul warned another young pastor by the name of Titus about this very thing I'm talking about. He, he said of these people, he said, Titus, you know, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and, and unto every good work, reprobate. But Paul said, Titus, you need to understand there are some people they are going to say, oh, I know God, I love God, I'm all about God. But he said, if you really watch their lives, it's, it's incongruent, it's, it's not matching up, they, they don't have integrity. And sadly, in America, there are many, many people, and I meet them often, who have a low view of the church because they've had a problem with someone who professed to be a Christian. Their life didn't measure up to the truths that are clearly known in the Bible. And, and many people have concluded, if that's how Christians are, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. Now, I believe that's a pretty immature and unfair conclusion to come, to write a, a, you know, an entire uh, people off over your encounter with, with a few. But, but that's a fact that people do these things. And it's a reminder to us of the importance of how we behave and how we conduct our lives. It's to connect with the truth we find in the Bible. You know, never forget that it was the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians who said of us, who are believers, he said, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. He said, don't forget that in the way you live your life. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're his representative. You're to do what he would have you to do, how he would have it to be done. And if we hope to keep moving forward, we need to live that life that honors the Lord. Paul even told this same church in Thessalonica later on in chapter 5, he said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Notice, listen, Paul didn't just say stay away from sin. Stay away from that which is wrong. Stay away from evil. He said, oh no, integrity takes it even one step further. He said, stay away from anything that has the appearance of being wrong. Several weeks back, I was uh, watching the news and there was a story on Vice President Pence and, 
And uh, I, I didn't get the entire background. I kind of came into it mid-story, but somehow or another, he'd made it known that uh, he follows a principle in his life that he won't go out to a meal alone with another woman who's not his wife. People have called that over the years the Billy Graham rule. That was a thing he, he had. He said, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, um, and people kind of uh, mocked uh, Vice President Pence for that and said it was misogynistic and, and all the rest. And, and uh, how many of you have noticed it doesn't matter what you do, somebody will mock you for having done that? So don't let that be a determiner at all. Just determine to do what's right. And at any rate, as, as I heard this, and I heard kind of some of the talking head pundits uh, following up on the tail end of this story about, uh, you know, what an ar archaic and, and uh, all of these things. You know, what does he think? Women are going to attack him. And, you know, all these kinds of crazy things. I sat there and I thought, you know what? I've made that same decision in my life. I thank God for my wife. And I love her. And I'm devoted to her. And, and, and yet, I, I wouldn't put myself in a position like that for one, one reason, it just doesn't look good. And as a pastor, I want, some, want somebody walk in a restaurant and you know, see me in a, in a corner booth with uh, someone and wonder, wow, that doesn't look very good. So th this, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's sinful to do that. I'm just saying for the sake of integrity, I've said that would appear to be something that maybe it's not. And so to avoid the appearance, I'm going to take a step back. That's why as a church, over the years, we've done things. We have two signers on all, all of our checks. Why? You don't, you don't trust the person who signs the checks? No, trust them just fine. But, but uh, trust but verify. I like it better with two signers. That, that takes the, the level up a bit. I like it that way. That's why we hire an outside accounting firm, Polito Epic, that comes in every year and goes through every line of our books. We want to be above reproach. If someone would have questioned the integrity of our church, I, I, I just love the fact that we could say, here's boatloads of info to share with you, the links to which we've gone to make sure that the integrity is what it needs to be. The influence we hope to have as a church, it's connected to our integrity in our lives as Christians. Now listen to what I've just shared with you because this is profound biblical counsel. You want to head in the right direction in your life for God as an individual, as a church. Well, know this, fulfillment is found in living by faith. Anything else will leave, leave you empty. Nothing wrong with money, but if that's your goal in life, you'll never have enough. It's not, it's not fulfilling, it's empty. It's a life that's, that's lived by faith that's fulfilling. Productivity is preceded by a price. It's inadequate, totally inadequate in life to just sit around and think, I wish this would change, I wish I would have that, and, and, and I want that. No, we've got to be the kind of people that are proactive enough to say, you know something, uh, I'm going to get involved. And influence is established by integrity, and that leads us to the final thought I'll share with you today. All glory is to go to God. Verses 4 through 6, the Bible says, but as we were allowed of God, to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men. He said, we speak to please God, which trieth our heart. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. He said, we didn't cover up what we were trying to do. He said, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. I love the way Paul concludes there by saying, nor of men uh, sought we glory. We, we didn't seek for glory for men. Why is that? Because God did what, or Paul did what he did for the glory of God. 
And the purpose of a church and the purpose of a life is not to use God so that we can make a name for ourselves. It's to give ourselves so that much can be made of the name of God. So that others can know of the Lord and He can receive glory that's due to His great name. In Ephesians, the Bible says, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. On a day like an anniversary Sunday, it's wonderful to have the privilege of thanking so many people. And it meant something to me and Lisa that a church family would say, We're thankful for you guys. We all understand that. Thanks can be passed all around. But when it comes to glory in the church, the Bible's clear. That belongs to Jesus and Him alone. Unto Him be glory, the Bible says. As a church, we'll move forward as we keep it all about Jesus. All about Jesus. It's for Him that we seek to inspire people to develop a heart for God. It's for Him that we want to include those in a loving church family. It's for Him that we long to make an impact in our region and beyond. It's all about Jesus. And there's something we can do in a special way to bring Him glory. In verse 4, Paul said, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. I love the way that's worded. That expression, put in trust, uh, it's the same word used in other parts of the Bible, stewardship. It's the idea of being a manager. In other words, God loves us so much that he allows us to have the joy of not only possessing the gospel messages ourselves as we're Christians, but he's put us in trust with this matter of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. It's a privilege to speak God's truth about salvation on his behalf. May we never forget telling others of the truth of Jesus, of the message of salvation, is the heartbeat of our mission. It's mission critical. I don't know that anyone's ever been prepared to start a church. In some ways, I was profoundly underprepared. I'd never been a pastor before. I hadn't really preached that many sermons before. I often joke, I've never had a class. This is true, I've never had a class on how to prepare a sermon. And you guys are thinking, we figured, you know, there was something wrong with you. Now we know. Um, I did graduate from Bible college, if that helps any of the rest of you. But at any rate... Um, I had no idea what I was getting into, but, but I was prepared to, if you're listening, say amen. I was prepared to start a church in this regard. I asked someone what all goes into starting a church, what, what is required, and I remember the statement I got, everything, and I said, Roger that. That was settled up front. God, if it just takes everything to start a church, you got it. We'll give that. I, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I think you guys understand. I think my heart was sincere before the Lord. Whatever it takes. And I was prepared to do that. Not, not knowing what we'd encounter, not knowing everything we'd go through. In my heart, I knew it was going to require uh, everything. And, and so I just said, God, I'm heading into this thing. I want you to know right off the bat, you can have it all. I, I'm, I'm ready for that. You know what I've been even less prepared for than starting a church, if I can go back and state it that way? what it would require to continue. I, I knew it would be a matter of time the church would either make it or it would not. God, I'm all in. In one felled swoop, you've got all I have. There's none left. 
You've got it. And then now for 21 years. Everybody can be an expert on leadership. It doesn't matter what you know if you're not practicing it, practicing it every single day. There was a lot I didn't know about starting a church. I knew even less about what it was going to require for 21 years living in the same community, preaching to uh, the same church family. And it requires me and you and us to come back to a message like this. Say, God, there is no fulfillment apart from you. None. We acknowledge that. And Jesus, although you said without me you can do nothing, you've chosen to do nothing without our involvement. And so we're willing to pay a price so that something productive can take place. And God, we know that who we are is far more important than just that which we do. So we want to come to the place where we can have an integrity that would give us the privilege of having an influence for you. For you. We know it's all about you, Jesus. It's easy in a moment to say you've got it all. You know it's more difficult? To lay your life out one day at a time. But that's what it requires to continue. That's what I hope to do for many more years to come, one day at a time. Jesus, I know, I know you, I told you you could have all of me there is, but today, help me. Help me to stay on track, do what you'd have. And this is the perfect day for those of us that call Coastline our church home to say, God, help me to continue. Maybe you're here today and God loves you, but maybe you're here today and in your heart you know, I can't continue as I am now because I'm not in motion right now, spiritually speaking. No problem. If you stay that way, it's a problem. But actually acknowledging that's a great blessing. Maybe today, instead of saying, I need to keep going, maybe today's the day you need to say, God, help me to get going. God, help me to clear some of this junk away that's been stifling me in life and help me to get on track for you, God. Help me in that regard. Maybe you're here today and if you're pressed on the issue in your heart, you'd say, you know, I'm not even sure I have a relationship with God. Well, the greatest news in all of the world is this. There is really one overriding reason that our family came to this area, and it's to let everybody know that we possibly can, that there's a God that knows you, who loves you, who understands our, our sinfulness, and yet Jesus, God's son, died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. There's not one person in this room this morning that can't read a passage like this and say, you know, there's something for me in there. I wonder today, what is it in there for you? Father, we're grateful today for your love and your grace. And Lord, we're thankful for 21 years of being able to look back and seeing your work here. And yet, God, we want to say today that we don't want to just uh, call it a, a life. We, we want to keep moving forward. We want to continue. God, I pray that you'd help us to that end for your glory, for the good of others. Help us, Lord, we pray.